Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com before history is written it's played before it's frozen in time it's fought one shift at a time before it's etched in silver it's carved in ice what happens next will last forever the Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey there, Duke fans, and welcome to a very, 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 very special edition of the DBR podcast. I'm your host this week, Jason Evans. I am joined, as always, Donald Wine in Washington, D.C. Say hello, Donald. Hello, Donald. And Sam Klein. Now, Sam, uh, you're in Denver now, but where were you yesterday? Uh, A godforsaken place called South Bend, Indiana. So uh, Sam's location should tell all of you um, why we are doing this very, very special podcast. This is a celebration of the Duke football team winning at Notre Dame, uh, a game that I think no one, no one, no one thought they were going to win. Really a fabulous, fabulous, huge win for a team that has had an, uh, an up and down, mostly down, to be on a season thus far. But this is a big, big, big up, um, arguably the biggest game uh, won by a Duke football team, boy, in, a, in quite, quite, quite a long time. Um, there are all kinds of things that have spun out of this game, people getting fired at Notre Dame. Um, a Duke legend, unfortunately, his career is over. I don't want to get to any of those things yet. I want to start. Sam, you were there. You were in the stands. What was it like, baby? Well, let me let me start by apologizing to you and uh, to the listeners that my voice might not sound entirely 100%. Um, if you were in my vicinity yesterday during the game, uh, you understand why because I was trying to make as much noise as I humanly could. Uh, I haven't I felt believe that's yelling. a valid excuse. Keep I on yelling. Felt, I haven't felt, I haven't, my voice hasn't felt this terrible um, ever or on a podcast since after the national championship last year um, where we did the phone call where I was in the airport. And uh, that day I actually, I, I felt terrible. Um, I'm not quite so bad this day, but um, that being said, uh, I, I had so much fun yesterday uh, being at the game. So I, I flew into Chicago for the weekend. We, my, I was there with my father and a few of my friends. We drove down to the game. Just We drove down to South Bend just for the day on Saturday. Uh, got to see a lot of my uh, Duke friends, got to walk around. We, we got there a few hours early so we could walk around the campus a little bit, 
uh, see touchdown Jesus, see all the Notre Dame fans. We got to see the Duke team walk into the stadium, which was really exciting. Um, so I got, I feel like I, I got the whole Notre Dame football experience, which before I get into the game, just going to the game was, was so much fun. The people there are incredibly welcoming. They're incredibly nice. And certainly before the game starts, I'm sure most of them are thinking the same thing that most Duke fans are thinking, which is, oh, well, it's cool to get to play at Notre Dame, but not expecting much to happen today. Uh, you know, much to happen good for the good guys. And, uh, but the, the people were being extremely polite. They were all, you know, welcome to Notre Dame. It's nice to have you here. Uh, you know, enjoy yourself. Um, good luck to your team, all these things, uh, which, which was and, really and wait, impressive. Wait, 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 that, that's, that's probably the way most Duke fans act when a team, when a visiting team that they think has no chance comes into Cameron. We're always like, exactly. oh, you're going to love it here. This is really great. It's really cool because we don't treat them seriously. We don't take them seriously. We think they're probably going to lose. Ha! Wrong. I will say, I will say um, on, the, on the flip side, uh, at the end of the game when I walked out, at least one person made eye contact with me and shook my hand and say congratulations on my way out of the stadium after the game. And I, I wasn't, I, I don't think I was being obnoxious and like shouting at other Notre Dame fans and, and trying to rub it in their face, but I was exuberant. And I, and, and with the, you know, the people that I went to the game with, I was being excited and hugging them and high-fiving them and all those sorts of things. So to get that kind of reaction, even out of one of them was really nice. Um, That's but classy. That's very classy. Extremely classy. The, the whole thing, the whole thing was really cool. Uh, I've been I've been now to a, to a few really neat college football stadiums the last few years and and very much enjoyed the atmosphere at Notre Dame. There was one very weird thing, and I don't know if anyone mentioned it on the forum yet uh, or if you could tell on television that um, Notre Dame was doing some. I, I wish I remembered what the exact context was, but they were doing some kind of charity event that involved them wearing royal blue T-shirts. Um, so there were a lot of folks walking around at the tailgate and in the game with royal blue T-shirts that had a Notre Dame logo on them and a bunch of other words about whatever the cause. I can was. explain that when you. Okay, I can explain. Tell it. me what it was because I was so, really confused. So, so Notre Dame's tradition for the students and has spread to the fan base is called the shirt. It's the shirt that they wear that that the students design and wear for the season. Um, it's something that's been done for about twenty. I think this is the twenty seventh year uh, of the shirt. And so they do it on different, uh, different colors every year. Sometimes they do navy blue, sometimes they do uh, gold, sometimes they do green. But on occasion, they have done royal blue. And I believe the 25th anniversary shirt, which was a few years ago, was on royal blue. And I believe that was the year that they had uh, uh, Teo and went to the national championship game. So uh, the light blue shirt, the royal blue shirt, kind of has some sort of good luck for them. Um, and so I, that's probably why they went back to it this year. But it just so happens that when you looked, during, looked on TV and watched the game yesterday, you were like, wow, there's a lot of Duke fans there. And there probably – and there was. I, I saw the Duke section, but the, most of the Duke blue that you saw in the stadium was people wearing what they call the shirt. Okay. Oh, my God. So, I, I was totally fooled. I, I thought – I was like, oh, my God, Duke fans traveled like nothing ever to this game. It looks like half the stadium is Duke fans. I was so impressed. And now Donald has burst my bubble. Well, and, and it Sorry. felt like that at the tailgate. You know, we were walking around in the in the parking lot before the game, and we see all these people. I mean, there are lots of people walking by in blue shirts. I would estimate that one in six of the people who were walking by us were actually Duke fans. The rest of them, as you point out, were Notre Dame fans wearing blue shirts, which uh, which was very weird, but also made us feel more at home. So. Um, it's it's a uh, it's a big tradition amongst uh, a lot of the Big Ten schools that the students. Uh, wear some have some sort of shirt that they design for the season. Um, 
but normally it's reserved to the students. If you look on TV, you'll see, uh, for instance, at the big house, you'll see everybody in blue, but then you'll have a nice little corner of maze, and that's usually the student section. Um, and that is something that is kind of what they do. But uh, Notre Dame, they have this shirt, but they raise the, the money that they uh, raise from it all goes to charity every year. Yeah. Hey, so, hey, hey, side shirt story. Do you guys remember the NC State game? Um, it's yes. probably about eight, yeah. ten years ago with the it green in, shirt. I, I remember exactly when it was. It was in 2008. It was my freshman year, and it was the first game. Go, go ahead and tell the story, and then I'll, well, I was I'll add. So I was I was at that game. I mean, I obviously don't make that many Duke games um, in Cameron, uh, but I, this was the first time I was taking my son, my older son, to a Duke basketball game. We were playing NC State. Um, it was uh, Earth Day, right? I'm right. It was Earth Day, yes. And and so they had they gave out these green Duke T-shirts. It, it wasn't Earth Day. Earth Day is in April, but it was like uh, they were celebrating like a, a a green initiative of some sort that Duke had started. Okay, it it was something to do with the environment. That's why they were wearing yeah. green. So, so um, in the first half, as you looked around Cameron, um, everyone was wearing these green shirts. I was wearing one. My son was wearing one. I, they were just all over the place. It looked like it looked like you were, um, you know, at Notre Dame, <laughs> and uh, and Duke was getting killed. But at halftime, NC State probably had like a twelve or fifteen point lead, and. I swear, at halftime, you saw everyone in the stadium taking off these green shirts, throwing them in the trash. I think some people burned them. I heard that there was a bonfire where they burned the shirts, and Duke came storming back in the second half and, and won going away and, and just blew NC State out of the water in the second half. But uh, it was definitely the, the shirts were the cause. The shirts were the reason that we almost that was, lost that game. Notre Dame should have learned their lesson. Like I said, that was, um, that was during my freshman year at Duke, and that was the first game that – of that whole season. And we only lost one game at home that year was against UNC. That was the first game that season that Duke was losing at halftime. And as you say, they were getting killed. And I remember during halftime, the, uh, the blue devil and they had like a mini blue devil for some reason were doing, uh, um, we're doing something involving the recycling initiative or whatever it was on the court. And people were taking off the shirts and throwing them down on the, onto the court. Uh, Cause I know I did it. And a lot of my friends who were standing around me in the student section did it. So yeah. Anyway, so, so total sidetrack on the on the apparel. Uh, that being said, even if those people weren't Duke fans, again, I don't know if you could tell on TV, but the Duke fans that I was standing around were making a ton of noise and were really into it. Obviously, the first few minutes didn't go that well for Duke. They gave up two really quick touchdowns and, and looked like they were totally lost on offense before the uh, before Sean Wilson's uh, return. That that was the first score of the game for Duke. That really felt like it jump started the team and wasn't honestly that long into the game. I mean, it was, I think it was 14, 14 at the end of the first quarter. Uh, there was a lot of action in the first half and the, the Duke fans that I was standing with and I was in the, you know, like in the reserve Duke area, um, they were pretty loud. They were pretty into it. We had a good, good chunk of the band was there um, playing all the, all the songs that they would play. I couldn't really hear the Notre Dame band because um, they, for whatever reason, they have the bands on the field at Notre Dame, like off in the, in the corners instead of up in the stands. So the Notre Dame band was like on the other side of the stadium from me and they weren't exactly pointed at me when they were playing. Um, so I, I didn't really hear their fight song at all, except in the, you know, in the introduction when they do the whole grand entrance. But, um, but yeah, so, so through the first half, um, things were, ooh, hold on, things were pretty good. Sorry. Um, things were pretty good after that initial lull. Uh, Duke was up at halftime by a touchdown, which everyone was just hang on, completely hang on. beside themselves. Yeah. Hang on. I, I want to jump in. And Donald, I want to bring you in as well. 
Um, so uh, the way to, I think the way to relive this, the way, the way to really enjoy this in, on this podcast um, is to sort of go through the phases of the game because it was a game of ebbs and flows. And, and I want to talk about the, the first six, six minutes, I guess, of the game up to the 857 mark of the, uh, of the first, uh, first quarter. Um, uh, Duke kicks off. Notre Dame promptly goes on an eight-play, 75-yard drive and scores a touchdown. Notre Dame kicks off, and Devon Edwards, um, almost unquestionably the best player on the Duke team, probably uh, unquestionably the best return man in all of college football and one of the best um, uh, defensive players in all of college football. Devon Edwards um, blows out his ACL and his MCL on the return and, and is clearly gone for the game, and we would later learn um, is, it's the end of his career. And Notre Dame, um, Duke promptly goes three and out, gains one yard, punts the ball. Notre Dame goes another 60-something yards and gets another touchdown. It's 14 nothing after five or six minutes. Donald, did you think we were about to get beat by 40? I, I can jump in for him and tell you that, yes, I thought that was going to be, that was going to happen. Um, I had, I had been talking, I, I don't know how you guys were talking to other folks before the game, but I was telling people that I was going to the game and they were like, oh, that's going to be so fun. Like, what's the, like, how's, how's Duke in football? Like, what's the spread? And I was like, it's an enormous number. I think it starts with a two and um, it's going to be, it, and I don't know how bad it's going to get. We've, we've lost a couple pretty nasty games to Wake Forest and to Northwestern. Um, so going into that, that was like, all right, I didn't expect it to happen this quickly, but, but I can tell that, um, but I, but I can tell that, that today is not going to be a fun day. Yeah. And when you're, you know, you, you see your team go down 14, nothing. It's against one of the top programs in college football in South Bend, the chips are down and you're sitting there like, well, let's hope that we can rebound from this and, and make it kind of interesting, right? You're not sitting there saying, let's go out and win this game. Let's go storming back. Um, and you're just looking for that little bit of momentum to, uh, to get you back on track and to kind of put your fans back into it and say, hey, we're not going to get completely embarrassed on national TV. I mean, we're, this is the, you know, one of the first games we've had probably since, what, the uh, ACC championship game back in 2012 that, or 2013 where we were on network national TV, not just like ESPN uh, or ESPN2 or ESPNU. We were on NBC, and this game was being watched by tens of millions of people. So you wanted to make sure that uh that your team wasn't getting you know embarrassed in front of people that you know that normally wouldn't see you play and i think that's kind of the mentality they kind of got lost in the lights a little bit and and before you know it it's 14 nothing but i think and as we go on you know the next phase of this was uh sean wilson's return for uh, on the ensuing kickoff when we're down 14 nothing is exactly what the team needed that was the jolt in the arm that we needed yeah unquestionably and, you're and i i would add to that that you know, Donald points out that that the guys might have been a little scared of the moment. Notre Dame is a is a famous old, impressive college football scene, and you know Duke doesn't necessarily play in places like that all the time. So I I, I mean I could feel it when I walked in how like special the experience is there, and and I could totally see the players even if they're you know prepared for that not to happen to them. You know you gotta like when they when they come into the stadium they walk by the you know the building with touchdown Jesus on it. Uh, before they walk in, so there, there's there's a lot there's a lot going on there. Anyway, sorry, Jason, continue. No, I was going to say so the next phase is, uh, of course, Sean Wilson's remarkable kickoff return, 96 yards, puts Duke back in the game. But but uh, I mean, I don't know about you guys. I felt like 
I still felt like, oh boy, we're not, you know, we haven't stopped these guys yet. Um, they're they're going to run down the field again on us, and even though we we made it respectful for a moment, they're they're still going to do this, you know, do a number on us. Um, and they went three and out. Um, the defense stepped up uh, and and stopped Notre Dame, and then we got the ball back, and we went 78 yards, and suddenly it's tied at 14. Um, and uh, you know, and, and Duke's looking pretty good. And uh, one thing that impressed me in this game was our balance on offense. Uh, you know, let's start to talk a little bit about some statistics, guys. Do you know that? Duke ran for 208 and passed for 290. I mean, it's really, it's somewhat unusual. Uh, you know, sure, against, against a, a, you know, a, a D2 or whatever, a, 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 um, what was NC Central? Football College, FCS or whatever. Against a team like that, you can put up some crazy, silly numbers. But against a legitimate, you know, BCS quality conference team, Notre Dame's not in a conference, but they're clearly of that caliber, uh, probably even above it, to, to do almost 300 in the air and more than 200 on the ground. Really impressive. And, and Daniel Jones, man, he moved the ball around to a lot of different receivers. He had, he had, we had four different guys catch more than three passes. Um, and it seemed like, you know, uh, on television, Sam, you couldn't see it, but on TV, they were highlighting the fact that um, Duke was using the speed of our receivers to run short crossing routes and things like that. Um, and that Notre Dame just could not keep up. Um, I mean, Daniel Jones downfield all that often because we were able to get 6, 8, 12, 15 yards on quick, short passes where he was hit. And then the ball was out, and someone had it. You know, Anthony Ash or TJ Rhyming had it, and they were on their way. It was, uh, it was just really, really impressive offensive execution. Yeah, and the, and and in person, you know, I can see a lot of those things. I couldn't obviously hear any of the commentary and it's, it's hard to process because my seat was, was kind of down near the field. So it's hard to process a lot, how far a lot of the plays are really going until you see them like move the chains or, or spot the ball and, and think about it for a second. Um, but you can tell sort of when you're watching the game and talking to other people about what the chatter sounds like. And, you know, if, if things are going really poorly, you'll hear, um, the, the criticism will be will be much more pointed and much more like, well, you know, the quarterback can't do anything and, 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 you know, things are hopeless here. Even, even when in the moments where things weren't good yesterday, after that first eight minutes or so, um, the, the conversation was a lot like, well, you know, so-and-so is hot. We got to, we got to keep giving him the ball as opposed to spreading it around so much. And when you hear things like that, it's like, well, you know, the team is spreading it around and they're moving the ball down the field. Um, and, and they did, we scored a touchdown right on the, on the next next time we had the ball um, after after also stopping Notre Dame. So uh, it, it's like things turned around in an instant there. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was uh, it, very, very impressive um, how quickly Duke got back in the game. Um, and, and uh, you know, the, the, the next sort of phase of the game was the, the Duke offense just being able to, to do what it wanted and the Notre Dame offense um, – being fairly inept, I mean, Notre Dame had some bad turnovers in this game. Um, the, you know, the the fumble on, uh, they had a fumble sort of, uh, you know, on a, a almost a handoff or a, a you know toss back to the to the quarterback that, that I thought was pretty weak. Um, they 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 threw a bad interception at one point. By the way, speaking of interception, Breon Borders, um, who he did not a, have an he had a tremendous game. Go ahead. He he was everywhere. It yeah. was like, um, I mean, Devon Edwards went out. Um, and Breon Borders, who, who's almost as good, if, if not as good, as Devon Edwards. And they play different positions. Um, Breon Borders sort of said, this is my time to shine. Um, and 
the number of passes he batted down was incredible. Sort of funny, he had a he had an easy interception late in the game that hit him in the chest <laughs> that he did not that he wasn't able to corral that I, I thought was a pretty amusing play. And I, but you can't get angry at the guy because he was he was incredible, absolutely incredible in this game. I, I thought the Duke D did a pretty nice job against a very potent Notre Dame team. I mean, I know Notre Dame put up 35 points, but I thought the Duke defense, um, you know, when they had to, they stepped up pretty, pretty nicely. Yeah, I think they, you, after that 14 to 14, when we got to that point, I mean, one thing as a side note, you know, when you watch Notre Dame games normally on TV, on NBC, the home games, they treat it like it's a home game. Like they have announcers that are very, very boisterous when Notre Dame makes a great play and when the other team makes great play, it's kind of very neutral. This time around, I think this is something that they've been doing this season. I haven't watched a lot of Notre Dame games, but they had uh, Mike Tirico and Dahani Jones in the booth. Mike Tirico is known for being boisterous but he's not known for being one of those Homer kind of guys that they normally have during these broadcasts. So what that did was it allowed people to kind of feel the momentum shift. And when it hit 14-14, he had a scream, you know, when we scored the touchdown, he screamed out, like, Duke has tied it up. And it was something that, like, if you were a neutral fan watching this game, you were probably like, oh, this Duke team really has something brewing here. And even then when we took the lead, it was 21-14. Um, and then it was 28-21. That whole time, you could feel, um, which I think they did a great job, uh, and seeing and, and feel, making you feel the shift in momentum between the two teams when Notre Dame took the lead or, or, when, or when we took the lead or when we tied it up. You could see that there, where the momentum was at that point. If you were just closing your eyes and listening to the game, they did a great job of highlighting where uh, those shifts in momentum, where those moments were. And we had a lot of them yesterday. Um, Borders had, had, like you said, was all over the place on defense. And on offense, we had a couple of big plays that were, that were things that we weren't getting done in weeks past. There were big plays at big moments of the game when we desperately needed them. If it was a third and long, we would get 15 yards to get the first down. We had that air out to Nash uh, for a touchdown um, that literally just like the crowd went, it felt like it went silent. And, and in the midst of Tariko screaming, you could hear the Duke section yelling, let's go Duke. Unbelievable how that, like, you could feel that. And that's not something that happens a lot when you listen or watch the uh, college football games nowadays. And I thought that was great that that happened when we were in on the national stage. The, the, the 64-yard pass to Anthony Nash with uh, a little under seven minutes left in the game. By the way, so a funny story um, for the fans at home, those of us listening, I – was watching the game, and with seven minutes left in the game, I had to put it on pause because I had to go out to dinner with the family. Yes, I have a life. I have a family. Um, and uh, by the way, I, I texted both of you guys. I texted Donald and Sam, and I said, guys, don't give the game away to me. We'll talk about it later on. I said, I don't want to know what's going to happen because um, I, I'm going to watch the game later on. So yeah, that, I, it literally let me, let me was just tell you, Let me just tell you, that was really annoying. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I'll tell you, I was I was at DC United game and I'm and I'm getting down there. The game is about to start and they're walking out onto the field and I check my phone. I'm with my friend who also went to Duke and he says, hey, it's it's first and goal or not first goal is like first down. But there's only like 45 seconds left. So I fired it up on my phone. Uh, the actual game because we were just following the game tracker. And at that point, I was like, we have to actually watch this game. So we're literally like praying that we have we don't have to pause for the national anthem uh or, or for you know all the other stuff they're doing for uh, armed forces night at the forces night at the game yeah i uh, right as it ended so it was great i uh 
I, I couldn't believe you guys were watching the game, but uh, oh, we were watching. I was watching. I watched all the way down. The only thing I didn't watch was like about fifteen minutes uh, as I was walking into the stadium. But everything okay. else I watched. Well, wait. So just so we're clear, uh, my experience was still like I was watching it live. I just wasn't able to watch the whole that's, thing live. That's fair. And I and and, and I, I you don't confirm. have a family. You don't have a wife. <laughs> I can confirm that your family is real because I met them. Um, right. Right. And, uh, and, and they were lovely. So, um, well, so, so but, but the thing I was going to say was I, I put it on pause um, on my DVR, went to dinner, had a delightful dinner at Longhorn, had a little porterhouse, um, came home and turned on my TV. And uh, it was, um, and remember at that point, it's Notre Dame's leading 35-28. And I'm feeling great because I'm like, well, even if we lose, you know, we came close and and, uh, you know, we, we made a good showing for ourselves. We had a lead at halftime. We had a lead entering the, four, uh, you, know, in the uh, you know, in the second half for a little bit. Um, but literally, I turn it on, and the very next play is Anthony Nash going 64 yards down the sidelines to tie the game up. And I'm like, oh, my God. And the final seven minutes are great for Duke fans. I'm like, this is the best seven minutes of Duke football I've ever watched. Tons of fun. So it was really – it was perfect for me to leave at that moment and then come back and experience the rest of that. Hey, hey, guys, so uh, one thing I'm going to ask you to do in just a couple moments, and I'm going to give you some time to think about it because um, I'm going to talk about a, a couple other things very briefly, but um, I want us to pick a player of the game. We do this for basketball. We have player of the week. So player of the week here for the game. And, and boy, it's not going to be easy. Um, uh, you know, you could easily go Daniel Jones. You could easily go Sean Wilson. You could easily go Jella Duncan. You could go Breon Borders. You could go Anthony Nash. You could go TJ Rahming. Uh, there and there are a few other candidates, and and uh, it, it's going to be a challenge. I'm going to be interested in hearing what you guys want, uh, who you want to pick. But I, I wanted to point out two interesting things about the second half of the ball game, um, b- before we get to uh, uh, player of the game and and sort of beginning to wrap all this up. Um, Duke punted on the opening possession of the second half, and we did not punt again after that. Um, uh, our offense, I thought, was for, was remarkably efficient in the second oh, we, half. We, we, we punted one. We punted on the on the subsequent uh, possession, but then after that, we did not. There were two. There were two punts to open the second half. No, you're right. My bad. Okay, <laughs> we punted twice. But after about, you're right. I, I missed that first one. You're right. Uh, I was looking at the second one after. It was pretty. It was pretty fast. I mean, it was only um, the the. the Half was only seven minutes over when we punted yeah. for the second time. So yeah, after about the nine-minute mark of the of the third quarter, we didn't punt for the rest of the game. But the other thing I was going to say about it was we did not have a single three and out um, uh, for for Duke in the second half. So the offense got a first down or a touchdown. We actually had one drive that was only three plays because uh, Anthony Nash went sixty-eight yards. He got a touchdown on third down. <laughs> and, and so there it was, was there was I mean there there was some shoddy execution on the on on some fourth down attempts and. And not that they were bad attempts. I mean, Duke was going for it in places where they should have. Uh, they just didn't didn't go our way. And, and some of the play calling in there, I think it was a little weird. Yeah, but, I, but, I, but as you I said, for the most part, offense looks very strong. Right. I, I mean, I didn't want to get into criticism because this is a day to celebrate and a day to be thrilled. But, uh, yeah, I, I mean, twice we had fourth and one and we ran into the middle of the Notre Dame line. Notre Dame is significantly bigger than us. Um, I, I didn't like either one of those calls. They weren't atrociously horrible calls. It's not like we dropped Bass and try, back and tried to prize them with a 40-yard, you know, wasn't anywhere close to complete. And there, but, were, and there were runs up the middle that, that had been working that day. Yes. In fact, we were very successful between the tackles most of the day. Um, yeah. 
but uh, so uh, so the other the other thing I wanted to mention about the second half that I thought was very interesting, um, uh, Duke controlled the ball game, and it was really our rushing attack. We were just talking about it. Um, uh, the time of possession in the second half, Duke, um, according to my calculations, had the ball for 17:24. Notre Dame had it for 12:36. Five more minutes time of possession for Duke. Um, that's that's big in a half. Five minutes and a half. That is a uh, that's a tremendous advantage for for Duke. I think it it kept our defense reasonably fresh. Notre Dame had several drives in the second half that were that were pretty inept. Where they they you know they they didn't go that far. They didn't do that much with it. Um, so so I was, you know, like like we've been saying, I, I think you had to be pleased with um, every aspect of the ball game uh, uh, in terms of how Duke did. All right, are you guys ready? Have you picked out? Have you figured out who your player of the game is? I have. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Donald, let's do it. Donald. All right, then Donald, I'm going to start with you. Who is your player of the game? Okay, so I, I'm going to intro this a little bit. So uh, one person I do want to give a shout out to is Coach Cutcliffe because it. Not just for how he coached the game, but for the moment at the end of the game where he, instead of at fourth and one deciding to try and punch it in, he went to, to get a field goal. And with A.J. Reed having not made a field goal all year, I thought that showed a lot of confidence, not just in him, but in our defense, uh, that he was going to get the three points and that our defense was going to stop them uh, to seal the game. Now, having said that, our, my player of the game is Breon Borders because on defense, he was the best player on the field all game. He made the stops that we needed to, including the one on fourth and three. Um, at the very end of the game, he had, uh, I believe he had a pick. I believe he had a forced fumble uh, or a fumble recovery. He was everywhere. He had five tackles um, and so many pass offenses that I couldn't even count when I was watching the game. He, like His name was being mentioned, it seemed like, every other play on defense. And I think that shows the heart that he had. And, and like you said before, uh, Jason, he decided to step up when we lost uh, one of our best players, and, and especially on defense. And I think that guy was the reason why our defense was, kept, kept our team in it. He's the reason we had the momentum shifts that we did, and he's the reason that uh, one of the main reasons we won this game. So my, my guy is Breon Borders. And I'll tell you something that I, I mentioned to a friend of mine. Um, we were talking about the game. Um, it was sort of midway through the game, uh, and Breon Borders was already having an excellent, excellent afternoon. And I said – that guy's going to be playing on Sundays. Um, and for a college football player, that's the ultimate compliment. Breon Borders, will be, he will be playing on Sundays um, a year from now. But for the time being, we get to enjoy him on Saturdays. And yes, I, I think that's an excellent, excellent choice. Sam, who is your pick for player of the game? I'm going to take Anthony Nash, uh, our wide receiver who... Had oh, a- I was going to pick Nash. Oh. If you, want me to, if you want me to take... I would. No, my, no, no. My backup, my sure. backup was going to be to take A.J. Reed for making a field goal. Oh, um, now you took my backup, too. <laughs> <laughs> I already mentioned him, too. I, I gave him some props, too. I, That's I a good pick. Game. Don Wilson for the, uh, for the, <laughs> for the No, 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 no. The, uh, go ahead. Continue. I've got a third one. I, I know who my third one's going to be, but you took my first two. <laughs> okay. Um, Anthony Nash had that one incredible 64-yard uh, touchdown. He had another one. Um, and this, this, the, the long touchdown that he had was on the far end of the field from where the Duke fans were. Um, the other one was, was closer in and that was the one where he, um, where he, he, he made a couple of jukes or he, he got through a defense that I didn't think he was capable of getting through, um, and, and scored like right in front of us. And that was, that was really exciting. I, you know, Duke has, Duke has had a lot of success with the smaller receivers, right? TJ Roming, I think coming into the season would, would have probably been considered 
our best receiver um, based on what we had seen so far from him. And most of his routes are similar to what we saw Jamison Crowder run before, also wearing number three. You know, a lot of those, uh, you know, he's the inside receiver. He's running slants. Um, he's trying to get shifty around guys. And that's all great. Um, Jamison Crowder, shout out Jamison Crowder, had a great day for the Redskins and for my fantasy team today. But um, but Anthony Nash took the top off today a couple times and and did it by being big in the way that I don't think we've seen since Connor Vernon was on this team. And, you know, it's not, I don't think it's something we regularly see from him. I don't think that we can expect for him to get 120 yards um, in, in every game going forward, but it, it was very impressive. And I think um, that, that Jones, Jones wants to, wants to throw the ball around and it, it's exciting that he has a, a target who can get out there and, and create space for himself deep down the field. And I was really impressed with Nash uh, yesterday. So Jason, who is your player of the game? Okay, so uh, uh, props to Anthony Nash, props to Rion Border, Borders, um, and and uh, I was also going to mention AJ Reed. Um, by the way, uh, before I get to mine, uh, regarding AJ Reed, um, you know the, the the television cameras again. Sam, you couldn't see this. Television cameras cut over to him right before the final kick, the the what would be the game winning kick, and. You saw his teammates all around him. Um, they were patting him on the back. They were they were all smiles and laughing and having a good time. And you could tell they were saying to him, "Go out there and get this, man. We know you've got it. We know that you've got it." They were they were showing excellent confidence in him. I mean, look, the kid's field goal. It was an extra point essentially. Um, it would it would have been really really bad if he'd missed it. I mean, really bad. Uh, but. Uh, he made it, and uh, um, and I, I love that AJ Reed got that that wonderful, wonderful moment. Um, and and hopefully it will. You know, we talked last week uh, about the fact that he is a very highly regarded kicking prospect. Um, uh, and uh, you know, expectations for him are are that he will be a very, very good kicker at Duke for all, for four years. So this is this is a start. I hope he has many, many, many more game-winning kicks. But for my player of the game, um, I'm going with Daniel Jones. Uh, and, and even though we laughed and I joked about, oh, I wanted to pick Anthony Nash. Oh, I wanted to pick A.J. Reed. Oh, I wanted to pick Breon Borders. Um, I, I really, uh, Daniel Jones was always very, very high on my list. Um, he, he's absolutely deserving for a redshirt freshman playing in Notre Dame. Um, for a team that, uh, you know, if Duke loses this game and falls to one and four, one and three, um, things could look really bad for the season. You know, it could be one of those lost seasons where you only end up winning uh, you know, three or maybe four games. Uh, and Daniel Jones, I thought, showed remarkable poise throughout this game and really strong accuracy. It, it, it's it been a little while since we've seen a Duke quarterback uh, with this kind of accuracy. He completed, he completed three out of every four passes. I mean, that's really, really impressive. 75%, um, three touchdown passes. And, and we talked earlier, uh, I talked earlier about how quickly he was getting the ball out of his hands. He did not let the Notre Dame pass rush get to him, um, uh, you know, hardly at all. I, I thought he showed just, uh, you know, remarkable poise for a guy who was in only his fourth college football game and, and you know, his, his first really, you know, huge game against a team like Notre Dame. So Daniel Jones, uh, you know, really, really wonderful performance by him. He is my pick for player of the game. But, but guys, by the way, um, I really like Donald that, that you mentioned Coach Cut. Um, God, we're lucky to have him. Man, I, I don't know what to say beyond that. We're just very, very fortunate to have this guy coaching our team. 
um, I after the game, um, they were interviewing him and Daniel Jones, and uh, they asked him what what the victory meant for or how we got through the early you know downfall or deficit of fourteen nothing. And he goes, "Our program did," but he pointed at the players and said, "Our program is what I call those guys over there, and especially the young guys um, that basically you know there's there's a there's a little bit of a." Some people say that uh, having a lot of freshmen or a lot of young players on your team can be a good thing because they don't know what pressure is yet and they haven't really had to experience it. So they're not, they can walk in without any fear. Um, they just want to impress. And, and I think what these guys did yesterday is a program defining win. And the fact that he calls our program, those guys, I think that's fitting because those were the guys that went out in the field yesterday and did what they need to do to win and, and, and something that they can tell their grandkids and their great grandkids about is the fact that they went to South Bend and beat, uh, beat the Notre Dame fighting Irish, which is something that as far as ACC teams are concerned, very few can even say, because I believe we are the second team to ever go to uh, from the ACC to ever go to South Bend and win. We've had some teams beat Notre Dame on the, at their house, but never in South Bend. And I believe this is the first time since the, since the ACC allowed uh, Notre Dame in for other sports and started this little rotational thing that somebody has gone to South Bend and beat them. So that is a remarkable accomplishment. No matter how you slice it, I don't care how good or bad you think Notre Dame may be, but that is a program-defining victory. So two, two other really, really quick things before we go. Um, uh, I already mentioned, um, and we've talked about a little bit, that Devon Edwards, um, uh, hurt his knee uh, in the worst way possible. MCL. He's going to have surgery. Uh, unfortunately, his entire Duke career is over, and it's it's just so, so tragic. It's uh, it's terrible for a guy this good. But the other thing I wanted to mention coming out of this game was uh, Brian Van Gorder, the Notre Dame defensive coordinator, was fired today. Um, Notre Dame has has had real real, real troubles on defense. Or uh, the giving up thirty, you know, couldn't score on Northwestern or Wake Forest uh, was was the end of his line. So, uh, so Duke managed to get Notre Dame's defensive coordinator fired, um, uh, which I guess is a little feather in our cap, so to speak. Um, guys, let me ask y'all: do you, do you have anything else you want before we uh, before we wrap things up? Before we're all done, Sam, I you would, got anything to add? I would just echo um, your uh, kudos and and mention uh, for Devon Edwards who. I think if you've been watching any Duke football the last four years, you know how important he was to this team on both sides, uh, both on defense and and on kick returns. And I, I don't know how, how many kicks he's returned uh, for touchdowns in his career. Six, it's a big six. Number. six, six, six kicks. Six. Yeah, um, it's the second most um, in collegiate history. Did you know that? Um, seven, and, seven. And, there, and, there are several guys who have the record, including C.J. Spiller of of Clemson, who who we know quite well. Um, the record, the all-time record, is seven, and uh, you know I'm sure Devon Edwards had hoped that he would break it this year. Um, and, and I, I didn't see that many games in person during Devon Edwards' career, but I, but I've seen a kick return for a touchdown, and I've seen certainly a lot of them on TV. If you go back and watch the highlights from that huge win against UNC in 2013, when Duke clinched the Coastal Division Championship, Edwards uh, had a kick return. He had the interception at the end of the game to seal the game. He was all over the place in that game uh, and was critical to the success of that season. And, and he was only a freshman um, that year. So an, an, an unbelievable player. It sounds like he's a, he's a great teammate and everything, 
Um, so the, the team is certainly going to miss him, although he'll hopefully be around the way that uh, the way that guys like Kelby Brown have been around after they've gotten hurt. And um, and so just just immense kudos to him for all that he's given to Duke during his career. He's he's going to go down as one of the one of the best guys at his position that, that we've ever seen. Uh, yeah, I agree. And, with and that remember. Too. I was going to say it was that freshman. It was that freshman um, year where he had, I believe I want to say it was against NC State. Mm-hmm. where he had three touchdowns, a 100-yard kickoff return, an interception return, two interception returns, I believe, um, yeah, against NC State. It, it was like – and he was just a freshman. We were like, oh, my God, I can't believe we're going to have this guy for four more years. And, and it's, such a, it's such a tragedy that um, his career has been cut a little bit short. Uh, Donald, uh, did, uh, sorry, did you have anything else? Um, by the way, I, I want to mention something. Um, Devon Edwards is an academic All-American as well. Um, so this is a guy who uh, who's getting an education uh, and getting a really good education and doing great in school. Um, and he's in, uh, and he's in graduate school now, right? Because it's his fifth year. He is. Yes, he Correct. is. He is. Yeah, I echo so everything Donald, you guys said. Right. I, I I just wanted to say that you know it. He was one of the fun guys to watch. Uh, you know, playing college football. Oh yeah. And, and the oh, fact yeah. that he was playing for our team was just tremendous. And, and, and that's not something that you see every day. Like this is what, this is how this program's evolving. You know, a lot of Duke fans, you know, when I was in school, we had other teams that we could watch electrifying players. And for the last, you know, five years or five seasons, we've had one of those electrifying players in college football that could change the game at any moment. And I think that is a testament to his career. Like it's a testament to his talent as a player. And it's a testament to our program and how it's evolved. And I, I hope um, that he can rebound from this, he can recover. And I really, really hope that we see him play on Sundays because I think he's earned a shot uh, in the NFL. And I think there are teams out there that could use his talent uh, on their 53-man on their roster, especially uh, in a game as crucial in the NFL as special teams. Uh, so, Devon, uh, hopefully you get well soon, and hopefully we'll be seeing you uh, in the league someday. Yeah, uh, totally. I, I, I think he has... He has. He definitely has a shot. He has a chance at at becoming a uh, a, a pro. And uh, you know, I'm really hoping he gets drafted. I hope he can get his knee repaired in time to be ready for the combines um, in the spring. Um, you know, that may be a little ambitious, but uh, you never know. Um, and and I bet the NFL will give him a chance because uh, he has shown some really really remarkable things during his time at Duke. We've been very fortunate to have him. Um, and uh, you know, we uh, of course lament that we won't have him. Uh, for for another eight games for the rest of this season. Oh, what a pity. Uh, that's going to wrap it up for us here on the DBR podcast, a special edition where um, even though we are called the Duke Basketball Report, I don't think we talked about basketball. Well, I guess we talked about that NC State game, the shirt game. But other than that, um, there was uh, no basketball to be mentioned because Duke football, Duke football made all the news this week with a victory at Notre Dame. Um, truly remarkable. And, and hopefully the uh, you know, uh, the start of, um, uh, you know, more good things for, for the Duke football team as we attempt to go to, uh, would it be our fifth straight bowl? Our fifth straight fifth bowl, straight I believe, bowl, yeah. right? Fifth straight. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, uh, we've got Virginia coming up this week, uh, but uh, that's going to be it for us. Uh, not sure if we'll have a podcast after the Virginia game. We'll see. Um, we may wait a little bit until we get a little bit closer to basketball season. Um, uh, folks will be doing some preseason basketball picks and, uh, and that kind of stuff coming up in the next couple of weeks. Um, until then, I am Jason Evans, my colleagues Samuel Klein and Dan- Donald Wine. Gentlemen, thanks for joining me um, for a very fun, very special podcast. And Duke Band, it is your turn. Take us home. Yeah.